This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steel fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Art Ring II, uh, Andy Weidel, Dan Colbert, and the rest of the Steelers front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond. Uh, and the next game will be in 22 and beyond, uh, 2023, but season 2022 and beyond. And the roster can compete for a seventh Lombardi trophy. And look, it's nice to be able to say they had the win last week. Now they moved to seven and eight on the season. They're still keeping the chances of Mike Tomlin never having a losing season alive. That's not what the ambition of the season is. The ambition is for these rookies and um, these players to get better and come together as a team. And they're doing that. There's a bit of a playoff scenario as we go live to air for me right now. I'm recording this on my Wednesday afternoon. Usually it's Wednesday night. Um, it goes to a Wednesday afternoon in the US. So I'm literally like sort of 24 hours, even though there's it's not quite 24 hours of the time difference. It'll be a full day by the time you listen to this from when I recorded this. So there are things playing out. There's a bunch of scenarios. I think the latest one is like the Jets have got to, um, you know, lose to the Patriots, but Miami have to lose to, sorry, they have to, yeah, lose to Patriots. Miami have to lose to the Patriots. Um, you know, there, there are a few other sort of different things around the traps, but you know, that all has to happen. The Steelers still have to win both of their games, and that's what we've got to focus on. Um, so I, I'll leave all the other content you'll see on the Steelers to come out um, in terms of what that playoff you know, predictor looks like. But a couple of weeks ago, might have been last week, we talked about, uh, yeah, it was last week, the six and eight teams that were able to make the playoffs. Now, one thing I found was really, really interesting, and that was I had a look at seven and eight. Uh, and uh, and teams that have made the playoffs at seven and at, like with a record of going in seven and eight, so they might finish seven and nine, eight and eight. Uh, so the first team that made the playoffs, going back history since nineteen seventy eight, since sixteen game season, was New Orleans Saints. They lost in the wild card round. The Jets lost in nineteen ninety one in the wild card round. Um, the Cowboys lost in nineteen ninety nine in the wild card round. Um, St. Louis Rams lost, uh, or now the LA Rams lost in the divisional round. So they won playoff game. They won one playoff game, lost another playoff game. Now they finished eight and eight. Um, all these teams finished eight and eight so far that we're talking about. So that's, you know, the Steelers would still have to win another game, but obviously we know 17 game season. So it was a little bit different. Chargers, we talked about last week, they were eight and eight, won the wild card, lost in the divisional. Uh, and then there's no been no other team. But if you look at what is kind of interesting, if you look at the teams last year that finished, um, that went in, like that was through 16 games, had an eight and eight record with the Baltimore Ravens, who were eight and nine, who missed the playoffs, the New Orleans Saints, who were nine and, um, who were eight and eight, and they finished with, sorry, yeah, so Baltimore were eight and eight, finished with a record of eight and nine, missed playoffs. New Orleans Saints finished with a record of nine and eight, they missed the playoffs. Um, now, obviously, Tennessee, I think, made it in there, and so did um, 
uh yeah so, so sorry tennessee they're not in their they're not in their division um the new orleans saints um made it in there you had tampa in there um that that sort of made it to playoffs and then you've got the miami dolphins obviously the bills are in their division um and they finished nine and eight and they didn't make it either so the Steelers, even at nine and eight, as we're seeing with the way the playoff predictor is going to work, is uh, at the moment there's still a lot of water going to the bridge for Steelers to make it. Uh, nine and eight is almost not good enough, and I think that's going to be an interesting thing for teams and the NFL next season. Is you've got to get to double digits to guarantee that scenario. That extra game, if anything, is making it that bit harder because you can't finish with an even record and scrape through in a division. Um, or if there's a weaker conference than another year. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting there. But if you actually look, the, I guess the overall percentage is if you look back um, to 19, from 1978 to this through this season, um, teams that started 8 and 8, the average finish of those teams was 8 and 8, um, the way this is producing it. The, the, so that stuffs up the statistics. But basically you can say on 11, cha- 11 times, Teams made the playoffs at 7.9% of the time. Now, I think going into this week's game, most people had the Steelers at a 1% chance. I don't think they're any better than a three and a half from one thing I saw on social media as well. Um, no one's won it um, from being six and eight back. Um, so, you know, that's where the Steelers finished, but you got to be in it to win it. And if they scrape in, they scrape in. I think there's another show on this network going out that's talking about why finishing the seasons with wins is important. Marky D, Marky Davison, and I talk about that all the time on Steelers Touchdown Under, about not taking, about the importance of a winning culture. And you saw that in this game. You saw that in this game. Um, and so, particularly against uh, you know, this, this, against the Raiders, it was just incredible. And so, if we look at that, um, we're going to talk about a bit about that in context of the rookies, because I really felt that the this was a game the rookies stepped up. And the Steelers have made a massive investment uh, in offensive rookies the last few years. If you think about Najee Harris, if you think about um, Kenny Pickett, if you think about Pat Freemuth, um, if you think about George Pickens, even Connor Haywood, where they picked him, uh, they've really looked at what these offensive players and these weapons look like. Dan Moore, when got him in the fourth round last year, that was people. Now that was lower than what a lot of people had hoped for. But it was still a really important pick for them in a in a draft that they literally, you know, they they picked multiple offensive players. Um, so so kind of a big deal there. Even Kendrick Green, as much as people call him a failure, is there as a depth piece. You know, that's the only guy that's not really working out from seven or eight pieces that they picked. We haven't even talked about Calvin Austin because we haven't seen him yet. Uh, he could prove someone. He could prove next year and the year after and the year after that through three years of his rookie deal that he was an absolute steal. Um, and he got to learn the ropes on the sideline. The NFL got to see, got to learn this offense, let Matt Canada settle, um, work through all these different things. He could he could be a massive plus uh, for this team as well. But before we go into our usual rookie report uh, for the players, which will probably stick to part two, um, given that I'm probably going to be 10 minutes in by the time we get there into the half an hour podcast, is I thought it was interesting. And I'll, I'll just preface what I'm about to share with the fact that I'm not trying to compare Who's the greatest Steelers running back? Who's going to be the greatest Steelers running back? I think we all know that's Franco, four Super Bowls. Very hard to beat. I'm, a, I'm one of those people in sports where, you know, championships mean something. That's why Michael Jordan um, and what he did with the Bulls and, you know, three-peats is 
he, I, to me, he's going to be the greatest um, ahead of ahead of LeBron. That's just what I'm. And I mean, basketball is very different; it's different eras. A bit like football, you can sort of categorize football into three eras, eras, eras. Um, but you, when you talk about basketball, you know, depending on who you talk to, it might be more, might be less. But to me, Michael Jordan's the greatest. I think when you look at Steelers running backs, it's very hard for one of these guys to beat out Franco Harris with his four Super Bowls. However, I did think it was cool to ever go back and have a look basically at what their careers look like through their first couple of seasons to sort of see how is Najee or, you know, how is Najee like shaken out? Um, and so if you look at pro football reference, for those that know pro football reference, they have their approximate value. Now, Najee, remember, doesn't have his second year one yet because it's only calculated at the end of the season because it's um, like it's basically weighted against what, you know, the best um, players do in their position. But he has a 10 through one year. Franco Harris through two years, 1972 and 1973. And obviously, he was only playing 14 games too. That's a really big deal um, that we've got to remember here. Um, he had 21 and Lav Bell had 25, right? So it'll be interesting to see where Najee finishes this year. I think he'll get a 7 or an 8 AV unless he has a really big last two games of the season. So... You know, he's probably going to finish below those guys in AV or maybe, maybe get on par with Harris, but I don't, he's not having the year he had last year. In terms of games played, Najee has actually played more, the most games with 32. Um, 32, Lav Bell played 29, Franco Harris played 26. So there you go. Fun fact, he's also the only one, Najee is the only one to complete a pass for this team. Um, and he's throwing one pass for four yards. That's kind of, you know, fun fact there. That's through the first two seasons, remember. In terms of rushing attempts, Najee Harris now has as many rushing attempts uh, in his first two years as Lav Bell had. So he's getting a lot more touches. He's got, uh, so they've both got 534. Franco Harris had 376. So that's kind of interesting in a run era as well uh, in terms of the, the games. But remember again, Franco is playing two games less a season and Najee um, had, had a playoff game there too. I think Lav Bell does for no Lav Bell didn't have a playoff a playoff game in his first two years. I, I'm I'm incorrect in saying that. Franco Harris had three, um, but they're not they're not counting this. Um, this data it's, they they put it separately. Uh, rushing yards, uh, two thousand two hundred twenty one rushing yards for Lav Bell, two thousand forty three for Najee Harris. So he could overtake Lav Bell. That is that is theoretical. I mean, he's going to need one hundred eighty yards in two games. Not sure that's going to happen, um, but wouldn't it be great for Naj to get a, another 100-plus yard game? Franco Harris, 1,753. Again, remember, Franco is playing less games. In terms of touchdowns, Lav Bell leads with 16. Both Harris's are on 13. Yards per attempt, Franco, 4.7 the most. Lav Bell, 4.2. Najee Harris, 3.8. Admittedly, Najee is sitting behind a much worse O-line than Lav Bell was. Uh, but again, again, he could he could pick this up as he goes. He had a pretty rough start to the season. Uh, longest rushing attempt, uh, Lav Bell earns that with 81. Najee Harris is sitting on 37. He's not even broken the 50 yet. Franco Harris, 75. In terms of receptions, Lav Bell leads that with 128. Um, Najee Harris, 112. Franco, 31. Yards, 1,253 for Lav Bell, 674 for Franco Harris, um, and only 249, uh, sorry, 674 for Najee Harris, 249 for Franco Harris, 
Um, in terms of touchdowns, though, Najee has five, Lav Bell three, Franco one, um, and yards per reception. Lav Bell leads that 9.8. Franco eight had an average of eight, and Najee Harris had an average of six. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see how they're pegged, particularly like Lav Bell and Najee Harris. And it's, and I thought, it, like, to me, it just stood out that it was, even if you put the number of games they play aside, I thought it was really interesting that Najee and Lav Bell had actually had quite a number more yards than Franco. Uh, but again, you look at the average there, if Franco played that many games, I mean, it's also like, would he have been healthy as a running back, like uh, playing that many number of games? It's kind of it's kind of hard to think. And you also sort of see Franco was always known for doing well in the playoffs, and I'm never, I'm particularly Super Bowls, I'm never going to rubbish that. Like, he was incredible. Um, but it sort of shows you 16 games plus, um, you know, four games in the playoffs is is quite a big deal to have to go out and play even with a break before a Super Bowl, right? So these players do go through a lot. So yeah, that's kind of interesting perception that we've got, but that tees up really well into reviewing the Steelers rookies and then of course the Bosmore rookies who we did talk about two weeks ago. And it's been some a couple of interesting things of note around their rookies too, but you, that'll all await in part two. And we're back on Steelers War Room. I'm your host this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, Art Rooney II, Andy Weidel, and Dan Colbert as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond. As I always like to say, a roster that can compete for a seventh Lombardi trophy and a roster that by the week is looking like they're a lot more capable of this, even if it's not going to be this season. So, we talked about, we did a bit of comparison on the running backs in part one. We talked about, I sort of alluded to the fact that I thought this was a coming of age game uh, for the Steelers rookies. Let's let's start with the guy that, you know, let's start with the guy that finished the game out, Connor Haywood, with that awesome, with all awesome sweep play for 21 yards. Uh, he played 13 offensive snaps. Um, that was 19% for the game. Played 60%, 8%, sorry, of the special team snaps. Um, so, yeah, kind of call cool from him. He didn't have any catches on three targets, so that's that's kind of not great. Um, and he had one one tackle um, as well, uh, you know, on special teams. So continue to contribute. That brings him up to sixty five percent of the special team snaps on the season, almost fifteen percent of the offensive snaps. But he is that sort of third tight end on the roster, sort of a bit like a fullback. But if they they do have a fullback in Derek Watt, therefore he's seeing a lot less touches. I don't know if they renew Derek Watt. Um, and even if they do, I think you see a lot more from Connor Haywood next season. Uh, but call cool from him to pr- practice that sweep at training. And then he went for all those yards there to basically lock the game out for the Pittsburgh Steelers against against the Raiders. Um, all right. So then we go to DeMarvin Leal, defensive tackle, defensive end. Uh, now, he played nine defensive snaps this week, 17% of our defensive snaps. Um, 9% of special team snaps with two. No stats to record there. DeMarvin Leal still working his way back in. You'd think he'd be really important potentially in this game, particularly as we're seeing guys like Loudermilk um, not really come on. 
Um, so we'll see. We'll see. DeMarvin Leal, always, you know, with the Steelers and their defensive linemen, um, they get it, you know, that they get in the drafts. It takes them a year or two to work them, work their way into the defense. Same thing for DeMarvin Leal. I think year three is a big one for Leal. Let's see what he can do in year two. Um, but I'd like to see how he can close out year one, of course, as well. Jalen Warren is the next guy that I think is worth talking about in terms of rookies that have played in the last week's game. He had six rushes for 23 yards, two targets, one reception, seven yards, three and a half um, yards per target there. Uh, He played 31% of the offensive snaps with 21. He played 32% of the defensive snaps with seven. You obviously saw the importance of blocking from Jalen Warren. He had a couple of really nice runs. Um, you know, in this week's game, even though we have only averaged 3.83 uh, in, in his performance, I thought that like when he had the ball, you just kind of feel confident with Jalen Horan. It, it's it's really nice from a from like a undrafted rookie as well. Yeah, he had that long of 13 um, where he just absolutely went for it. He had a, he had barnstorming runs i felt like in a lot of traffic yeah i really like the performance from jalen warren this week and again as i've said each week when we review the rookies this is just value from warren imagine what a year two and year three look like from from an undrafted player like him and we go of course to george pickens what a legend of a catch like that steelers folklore Five from five in terms of targets and receptions 11.4 receiving one td Caught 100% of the balls with those five from five. He had like he just had a great game. He played 81% of the offensive snaps, um, which was a you know top five in terms of snaps that he's played on the season for the Steelers so far. You know another game over 50 yards, really important for him. He finally gets. He's now sitting on 700 yards. Of he's had 47 receptions of 74 targets, um, which is not too bad there. Uh, he has 30, he's got 33 first downs for the Steelers, uh, yards. Um, the yak yardage he's got on the season is almost hundred yards. Uh, I'm trying to pull up because profile reference move around. That's right. Catch rate 63.5%. He's averaging 46.7 yards a game. So almost that 50 yards per game. All on the season of 42, three touchdowns. Um, rushing, he's had a touchdown, two first, two first downs. Continue to basically make plays for the Steelers. And that's really cool. Like four touchdowns on the season, 724 yards from the line, um, from, you know, offensive yards from line scrimmage, 50 touches. That's an average of 14 and a half per touch. Incredible year from a rookie in, in George Pickens. Will he get to a thousand yards? Very unlikely, very unlikely, but he could, he'll surpass 50 receptions. He should get more than 800 yards. I'd love to see him get a couple more TDs as well. Obviously, Kenny Pickett's found a man there in George Pickens. And we got a guy in the second round that, like, his first-round talent compared to a lot of the other first-round wide receivers that were drafted. This guy's first-round talent, he's going to be that for the Steelers. He's played 77% of the offensive snaps on the season so far, only three special team snaps, which about counts for 1%. Um, but yeah, you guys saw it for yourself with your own eyes. I didn't have to tell you. Laser of a catch, right place, right time. And it was thrown by Kenny Pickett, who, you know, eyes were there to divert the safety. He improves his interception TD record slightly, but from the perspective of, uh, you know, it, it's a better ratio role, but, but in terms of more touchdowns, but he did throw the interception. And that kind of, I thought, thought that was the only thing on the day for him 
that you know you could remotely say was negative. But he completed 26 of 39 um, for 66.67%. For 244 yards, so he got over. He almost got to the 250-yard mark. He's only surpassed that three times, or four times. Yeah, three. Yeah, four times. This this would have been the fourth time this season if he'd surpassed it. Um, one TD there. Quarterback rating of eighty-one point six. But he won them the game in awful weather football. Absolutely won them get the game. And Boswell's getting more attempts than we've seen in other years as well. He's getting more attempts than when he when Trubisky was on the field. Uh, I it's just all round performance from Kenny Pickett. What negative can you say? The man is absolute moxie. Drove them down the field on that final drive. There's nothing more to say on it. It's just awesome. Absolutely awesome. Um, and so, you know, I, I can't wait to see what Kenny can do this week against Baltimore. Hopefully he can stay out of concussion protocol. It's uh, something that worries me. I I don't know. I, I tend to think the Ravens put people in that protocol um, or get people out of the game in any way they can. I do think they are that sort of team. I don't think they're as bad as the Browns but and Miles Garrett, but I do think they're that team. There's too many convenient um, quarterback concussions when you play the Baltimore Ravens, particularly for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so I'm just hoping that Kenny can stay healthy. Obviously, the offensive line did a really good job against um, you know Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. We obviously want to see that again against Baltimore. Um, but if they can keep Kenny up- upright, oh, I think he can get a couple of touchdowns. I think this is an absolute coming of age, as I said, for the Steelers rookies. And the Steelers have invested a lot of draft capital in them as well. Like, And that's going to wrap up my part on the Steelers this week before we preview Baltimore is that we talk about the highest, most paid defense. And I, and I heard something similar in another like Steelers focused podcast. And they're so right. It's about those guys. I talked about earlier about that investment in, in free move, you know, in Naj, in Pickens, in Pickett, even Connor Haywood, even guys like Dan Moore. And they had a punt on Kendrick green, like the Steelers invested draft capital in this to go alongside the defense and I feel like this is why the regeneration is actually really coming of age. And if they can win out the next two games and finish nine and eight, it's probably ahead of schedule. Uh, but next on the schedule is the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, let's look at the Baltimore Ravens rookies. Um, we've got my countryman in Daniel Falele out of Australia, um, Minnesota. Uh, is where he went to college. Tackle six foot nine, three hundred and eighty pounds. Familiar for anyone that liked the NFL draft. Definitely on the board um, for myself and a lot of other draft picks. Particularly, you know, like I think it was on Andrew Gorbar, um, Jeremy Betts's draft board somewhere as well. Um, my BTSC colleagues. Anyway, he didn't play any of the offensive snaps last week against Atlanta, so that's something that's quite interesting. Hasn't played against them in Cleveland. Didn't play any against in, against Pittsburgh either. He's only played on special teams. So. That's kind of interesting in that we previewed him after the Denver game, thinking he might play a bigger role. He didn't. Um, so, you know, that they're working through what they're working through. Whether they've got a special formation for him, maybe for the run game. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting in terms of Daniel Falele. Of a similar vein is Damarin Williams, the cornerback, five foot ten, out of Houston. Because he, and he was taken in the fourth round, a little bit higher than what... Um, I certainly, I thought he was going to get taken. I can't speak for my BTC colleagues, but I didn't see him on a lot of draft boards that high. Anyway, um, but when it comes to Myron Williams, we previewed him after his get- appearance in the Jacksonville game. Um, he hadn't played; he only played on special teams in their their previous game and going to Carolina. So he didn't play in, against the Steelers, uh, but he did play last week on only on special. He played one defensive snap; the rest was on special teams. So 
Whether we see him much, I'm not sure we're going to see much from their number 22 in, in their defensive rotation. We'll probably see him on special teams. Um, so I wouldn't expect deep amount there from Demar and Williams. No point going through his deep stats on the season, really, because we talked about that last time. But he has allowed almost a 65% completion rate of 18 um, from 28 targets. He's allowed two touchdowns. So he allows a quarterback rating of 113.4. Uh, so pretty high. So, you know, if he's on the field, um, that could there could be a mismatch there with one of the Steelers' receivers uh, that Kenny Pickett looks to take advantage of. Looking at David Ajabo, he wasn't there in um, in the game against the Steelers. Didn't play last week against Atlanta. Did play on special teams against Cleveland. Uh, he may be a player that makes it into the game this week. He was their second round um, draft pick at the linebacker position, outside linebacker from the edge. Um, so interesting to see where number ninety uh, for Baltimore. You know, lines up this week. Does he get to get? Does he get to play? Does he not get to play? We'll see. But remember, that game against Cleveland in Week 15 was his actual only um, game of the season so far. So, not sure we're going to see any of David Ajabo this week um, as when we go up against Baltimore. You then have the tight end that they took in the fourth round. They actually took two. Charlie Kohler was taken as well. But as we said last time, he's yet to play on the season. Um, but Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. Um, and so Isaiah Likely, um, is six for four, 240 pounds, wears jersey number 80. Uh, he, in the Pittsburgh game, played 16% of the offensive snaps. No offensive stats there. Played the, for him, played um, 6% of the special team snaps. Um, since then, he did play against Cleveland, getting two uh, receptions for 18 yards. He did play against Atlanta, getting one reception for four yards. Um, so he has been contributing for them um, very minorly, but he has contributed to, to their offense in the last two weeks. Uh, whether we see much of Isaiah Likely, it's interesting. Pittsburgh game week um, and Buffalo, so weeks four and week 14, we haven't seen much from him. Uh, and I think I wonder if this is whether he's in their top offensive game, um, you know, scheme and game plan, and whether they're they're parking it with him um, against the better teams. Because particularly when you think about Buffalo and Pittsburgh, is probably the better defend defensive teams on on their schedule. Um, really, I mean, you might talk about New England with Belichick, um, where he only had one reception. But I just think it's interesting that for, for, against Pittsburgh and Buffalo, we've seen a lot less of him. And if we don't see anything from him um, this week as well, it might tell you something, actually. It really might tell you something. Move on to one mile of my draft crushes from this year. It was Travis Jones, defensive tackle out of Connecticut, 6'5", 333 pounds, uh, according to Pro Football Reference. Uh, he is there. He wears jersey number 98 for the Baltimore Ravens. He played 42% of the defensive snaps last week for four tackles. Uh, he had one tackle in the week before against Cleveland. In the game against the Steelers, he had one tackle as well. Um, now, he only played 29% of the snaps um, against the Steelers. He only played 33% in Cleveland. And then last week, he played 42%. So he's not, you're not seeing him anything more than 40% of the time. He's averaging about a third of the snaps. He's playing on special teams a little bit as well. Uh, so whether he can disrupt Kenny Pickett in the offense in the passing game, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, big game needed out of Mason Cole, James Daniels, Kevin Dotson. Then we have their first-round draft pick, number 14th overall this in this year's NFL draft, Cole Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. Uh, he played against Pittsburgh. He had six tackles in that game. Um, pretty interesting there. 
Uh, five of them were solo, one was an assisting tackle, so six overall. Uh, 91% of the defensive snaps he played in that game, 91% starting safety basically there. Uh, he played 58% the following week in Cleveland where he had eight tackles, two for a loss, one quarterback hit, one pass defense. And then last week he played, or this week against Atlanta, uh, he played 70% of the defensive snaps, 71% of the special team snaps uh, for three three tackles, one pass defense. So starting to really contribute, Carl uh, Hamilton. Uh, this So far on the season, he's allowed a completion rate of um, or percentage of 75.6. That's 31 from 41. Allowed one TD, allowed 250 yards. So that's 8.1 per completion. But remember, he lines up at safety. He's had two quarterback knockdowns, two sacks, four pressures. He's missed five tackles, which is about 9% of his tackles on the season. Um, but you're seeing a bit more out of Carl Hamilton. Um, and so the Steelers have to be really aware uh, in this game of uh, number 14 uh, for the Baltimore Ravens because he really could create some trouble um, in the secondary for them or at least trouble with Steelers uh, wide receivers. And so then we move on to Jordan Stout. Oh, I should also say Pat Freeman if he could trouble too. Uh, but Jordan Stout, their punter, uh, drafted quite high in the fourth round out of Penn State. So familiar for some Steelers fans. He... Uh, Obviously, as a punter plays, he had three punts against Atlanta. Average um, or net punt yards of thirty-eight point three. Uh, in the twenty, within the twenty, he had uh, one, so that was thirty-three percent of his three punts. Um, he had only one punt against Cleveland for forty-one yards. Uh, so Jordan Stout, so far, his net yards per punt average for the season so far is forty point one. He's now ticked over two thousand um, net punting yards. He's had six touchbacks. 23 punts in the 20. So if it's if Justin Tucker's not kicking a field goal, um, you've got Stout pinning you deep. And this is where the Steelers' offensive line are going to be really on their game. And the Steelers can't have the three and outs they're having um, so far over the last few weeks. They have to finish drives. They have to get points. And Boz has got to hit the kicks. Mike Thomas spoke about that in his Tuesday press conference. If you missed that, um, I have managed a chance to listen to it all. Sometimes I don't before this should be having, being able to record the show. But he definitely talked about this and the need for Boswell to hit those kicks. Some people are saying Boswell's washed up. Some people are saying Boswell's injured. I do think he's probably suffering from a complaint. Awful weather as well. I mean, the fact that a rest in peace to the, all the Americans lost in Buffalo. 30 people have died from the weather. You've had crazy weather on the east coast of America. Um, you know, give Boz, give Boz a chance, but he has to hit, he has to hit him this week. Um, he can't kick and, and maintain the average he's had on the season so far. And then to finish up the show, we'll look at Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, their other first round draft pick drafted 25th overall. He played, he's played 100% of the special team, of oh, the offensive snaps, sorry, every game this season, bar the Cincinnati game in week five for them, where he played 97% of the snaps. Uh, he's had three penalties on the season so far as well, according to Pro Football Reference. Where's Jersey number 64? Obviously, they're starting center. Maybe maybe Cam Haywood after his big game can light him up. Um, you know, in the you know in the interior there of the defensive and offensive lines, but we'll see. That'll all be to come in this week's game. And so with that, we're going to wrap up this week's Steelers War Room. Thank you for listening on a week between Christmas and New Year. So cool to see the Steelers win on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. So cool to see the, see the Steelers win. Um, after Franco passing um, and the celebratory game, uh, the retirement of his jersey. So good to see the Steelers win in an important um, 
you know, matchup, a Christmas Eve matchup, Christmas miracle in many ways, um, the coming of age of the rookies and Kenny Pickett. Don't forget the performance they had, Steel fans, that this could be the sign of some cool things to come. So with that, go Steelers. Go Steelers.